Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Comic Book Legion podcast. I am your host, Clay, and we're going to jump right into this because we want to acknowledge something. Uh, Mark is here with me. Hi, Mark. Hello. Uh, We want to go ahead and acknowledge what has been going on with the world. Um, I know that a lot of people are probably, uh, quote-unquote, fed up with having to listen to this on podcasts or acknowledge things, but this is quite possibly an historic event that will be heard, you know, years and years down the line. And I think that we just need to say that we are 100% against racism. Um, This isn't a political thing. It's just something that is completely wrong. And we are two people that are technically people of color. We are Latinx. And we know that our extent or experience with racism is nowhere near what has happened uh, with the situation at hand and the situations that have escalated uh, our current situation. Uh, and Mark said it best uh, right before we started recording, uh, we are in full listening mode. Uh, this is something that we need to just stop and listen uh, for the people who need to hear us uh, or need uh, for people who we need to hear and, you know, be a little bit more educated on. And, you know, I think that is the best way to to do it. You know, we have seen online uh, so many uh, bigger outlets are, you know, trying to listen and trying to change their ways. And I think that's the biggest point of this. You know, a lot of people are getting upset at random organizations that have shown bias, but now they're listening. And I think it's important to take note of that because there is going to be change and there should be change. But with that. That was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. Thank thank you. Uh, Let's go ahead and talk about the books. I know that you were out of commission last week due to Poison Ivy. I got poison ivy on me crotch. No, I don't. Not, <laughs> n- not, n- <laughs> not, not, not on my crotch. It's close. It's like nine inches away. But yeah, dude, uh. I, 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 I was on steroids, man. And you know, with this, with this steroids, my my heart for some reason was not reacting well. So my heart was pumping at about like a hundred and ten beats per minute. Uh, I was Oof. having like equilibrium issues, so like the world was just spinning around me, and Yikes. there was there was no way that I would have been able to do it. So I mean, I I stopped, I stopped uh, taking that steroid after like two days. I couldn't even take the full dose that they wanted me to, because of how bad it was. So yeah, I'm I'm using this Aveno eczema therapy. This is not sponsored. I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean it's 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 been hectic. I mean, so between that and you know just listening, you know, and just kind of witnessing everything that's been going on at this time. Um yeah, man, I I think that, you know, I think like, you know, in scripture, again, yes, I'm a Bible guy. I'm a nerd. Uh, you know, it just says like my dear brothers and sisters, you know, just take note. At this time, everyone should just be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let those who need to speak, let them speak, and those who need to listen let us listen because I think at this time, um, although it looks ugly, I think a lot of good can come from this because I have spoken with people in my direct family and I have noticed change in them in regards to let's listen to what people have to say. And I think that 
even if it's a small portion of people of change, you know, all it takes, I mean, everything that we've seen great happen in this country, sometimes it happens, it only takes that one person to lead many. And if, if people can just listen and shut up, I think that, you know, a lot of good can come from this. And you know what, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what good comes from this. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you talk about being uh, a Christian and and a nerd. You know, one of the biggest things that I'm going to read today, because today's my first day off of this week, um, there is a book at Marvel Unlimited 2003 called Truth, Red, White, and Black about Isaiah Bradley. He was one of the 300 African Americans that were tested with the super soldier serum before white Americans were. So... Uh, if you want to jump into that, it's red, like th- red, white, and black. Red, white, and black. Yeah, yesterday, yesterday I was getting my oil change and doing my car inspection, and um, you know I was just waiting. I was like, you know what? For some reason, I felt like I really just needed to watch Remember the Titans. Remember yes. the Remember the Titans is very relevant. When I was watching, I was like, I'm like, I always knew what the what they were touching on, but for mm-hmm. some reason, it felt it, it hit a little closer. Like I would recommend that people who are you know, in this scope that we're currently on, just watching Remember the Titans. I mean, just the relationship alone between Gary Bertier and and uh, Julius, it was yeah. it was it was beautiful, man. I I actually got teary because I mean I know I've teared before watching it, but just that moment when Gary becomes paralyzed. Spoiler alert! And he, you know, Julius goes to see him in the hospital, and the nurse is like, "No, only family." He's like, "Aren't you?" He's like to the nurse, "Are you blind? My, Can't you see brother. the family resemblance?" That's my yeah. brother. I was like, "Oh God!" I'm like, yeah. "I'm like, oh, I'm man, like, yeah." I was like tearing up in the freaking car dealership. It was, it was nuts. But yeah, it was. Oh man, I need to watch that movie again. And I think it's on Disney Plus. It is. That's where I saw it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I think me and my wife are gonna have to watch that tonight. But um, we're not going to deal with all the books of last week, but just one of the biggest ones. Uh, The biggest one that had everybody talking, so much so that Tom Taylor went to DC and said, hey, don't post any spoilers about this. Um, Suicide Squad, you know, you're dealing with, what what does Tom call them now? This new Suicide Uh, Squad team? the, The Revolutionaries? Yeah, the revolutionaries. You deal with the revolutionaries and the capture of Boomerang. Uh, they finally capture him, and they confront uh, Locke at the at their headquarters, and he immediately tells Deadshot to kill him. And Deadshot's like, why would we go all this way in capturing him just to shoot him? And Locke's like, because I told you to. And he said, either you shoot him or I'm going to blow everybody's head off until somebody does. And so Deadshot shoots Zebra Man, who is protecting Locke, then blows Locke's head off. And I thought that was like the big spoiler. I was like, oh, crap, Locke is dead. I mean, that, that moment was big. I mean, actually, I actually felt the tension just because, you know, Tom Taylor's M.O. of doing things out of the order i was like man who are we going to lose now and it was one of those moments that like you actually see Locke when he's doing the countdown he actually says like i own you yeah and that moment like so when he shoots a zebra man and then he's 
goes like you like you don't owe me and i was like oh my god like it it was like a really cool like super tense i uh, love the transition between Locke's mouth you know counting down or or you see Locke's eyes counting down and then you see the grit in deathstroke's teeth like he's like gritting his teeth he's not sure what he should do and it's just panel after panel after panel. Yeah. And you feel that tension. It's like real time. Just like, oh crap, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I love the comics code explicit sign. Yeah, that, that, was, show, that was a nice it, little nod. That was cool. It's so simple. You know, because one big thing that Tom Taylor has been doing uh, in this Suicide Squad run is whenever he kills somebody, he's been doing silhouettes. The silhouette kills. Yeah. And those are beautiful. I, I love the way they are portrayed. But this one just felt a little bit more satisfying because you got to see a little bit of the brain matter behind him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we do lose somebody. We lose Jog, uh, yes. part of the re- revolutionaries. Uh, and, and, it's all, have... and it's always happening in front of Osita. Like, I know yeah. that she's kind of like the leader, but man, that's like, that's very traumatic because you, you see that she has a very close relationship with each and every single one of them. And just the fact that she's literally witnessing them dying in front of her every single time, I'm like, man, that's got to be... Like, she's one of those people, like, you got to you gotta watch out for her because sooner or later, that, I, she's going to wonder. I wonder if it is kind of foreshadowing. I believe so. Like, I can, I can kind of see her becoming a very big player either... I mean, I don't know if it'll ever become something where she's going to, like, lead charge. Or yeah. if it's going to be where she's going to go full-blown, you know, in the, like a wrestling turn, like turn heel. And just yeah. straight up become a villain. Uh, yeah. Because of every all this loss that she's experiencing. So it could be. It very much could be. Which but, would make sense because we're literally watching her, like, demise. Yeah. Of, like, yeah. We're watching, like, her humanity just fading away with everyone that she loves being taken from her. But I love how strong she is, even yes. at the face of, like, watching her family die. Uh, you know, Jog is taking away all these detonators to make sure nobody dies, and then but somebody clicks one. And he is talking about this whole, the entire issue, he's talking about how life flashes before your, your eyes before you die. And he can literally feel the bomb starting to detonate in his head, so he runs up in super speed to Osita and he's having a conversation in what seems like super speed, but I don't think Osita has super speed. So I'm very confused at that. That's one small little nitpick that I had. Yeah. And then his head blows up as they are like locking hands and like giving a shake or whatever. And they basically interrogate one of the soldiers and convince him to, you know, show them who they are working for. And the biggest reveal in comics of 2020, I think. Now, granted, COVID, you know, had a big three-month break between everything. But biggest reveal of 2020, Ted Kord is the villain Uh, of this book. And I have something to say about it. But, Mark, what are your feelings about it? I mean... My my first thought when I read it was, wait, what? No, Ted. <laughs> so I I I 
the first thing I had to do was just I reached out to, you know, our buddy Kevin that we talk a lot about on the show because that's, I think, his favorite character or mm-hmm. like top two or top three. And since I know that he is Mr. Optimist, I mean, he's more optimistic than I am. Like, I'm at least, you're at least bringing me to the dark side. I, I'm like, I feel like Anakin, you're Palpatine, man. Uh, uh, so I, I reached out to him and just, I mean, I, I screenshot, I, I sent you what he was reading because it was just <laughs> funny just because, you know, the way that he reacts. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's one of those moments like when I first read it, because to me, Tom Taylor has a little bit of like that Donnie Cates where he likes to just shock you every every issue. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that it's after a while it can feel dry, but yeah. sometimes those shock values actually stick. So to me, I'm at that point where I'm like I'm I'm mad about it because I don't want them to turn Ted into like this Lex Luthor type. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, I know we've been wrong in the past in regards to who are big bads and either, you know, like a Heroes in Crisis or who's this? And we keep on always throwing the name Max Lord because sooner or later, this dude needs to come from that, from the aftermath of Justice League versus Suicide Squad when Amanda Waller had him like chained up and this was going to be like a Task Task Force X, like part two, like team two. Where sooner or later, you would think, look, Amanda Waller is off the table. You got, I don't know if it's because of the Leviathan stuff or maybe, you know, we're going to get some stuff in the future. But, I mean, this would seem most fitting that he's using, like, you know, he's literally doing the mind control over someone that he freaking killed right before Infinite Crisis. So, I mean, you don't really know what's going on. I don't really know what's going on. But I'm hoping it is a Max Lord and it's a swerve. Uh-huh. Uh, because if not... I mean, it's 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 gonna be bad. Like I'm, like I, <laughs> I was like, damn, this is this is pretty crappy. So, so when I first saw Ted Cord, I will be completely honest. I was like, holy crap! They saw Pedro Pascal on the Wonder Woman trailer and decided <laughs> to draw Maxwell Lord just like him, with his like like overly poofy hair and everything. And but they said Ted Cord, and I was like, "Oh crap, this is Ted Cord," and I was like, "What in the hell is going on?" But after a couple hours and a night's sleep of thinking about it, I want to blame every single Blue Beetle fan. Yes, and here's the reason why: in comics or in the industry of comics, there are hundreds of characters that are not used. Hundreds, if not thousands. And what happens to those characters that aren't used? They are open to be used however a writer wishes. We have seen it recently with Brian Michael Bendis' Rose and Thorn. I genuinely thought that was a brand new character that he made. Or even or even uh, what he's doing with uh, Mark Shaw with like uh, Leviathan. Yeah, Mark yeah. Shaw. Uh, same thing with uh, Tom King in... Uh, Heroes in Crisis with like a booster he, gold, and yeah, he yeah. was he was given the three characters of Wally West, Booster Gold, and Harley Quinn. Well, because sa- in, same thing goes with uh, Mister Miracle and Adam Strange. I mean, these yeah, are characters yeah. like just do these what are you characters do with them. that nobody is using, and so they give these writers free reign to to hey, you can do whatever you want. 
So, everybody who is mad and pissed off about, oh, this is not my Ted Cord, well, guess what? In the DC Rebirth 80-page giant, they teased that Ted Cord was going to be the mentor of Jaime Reyes. They teased that. And all you Blue Beetle fans are like, well, Jaime Reyes isn't my Blue Beetle. Well, guess what? Because you didn't buy Jaime Reyes' Blue Beetle, we never got that story. And we never got a actual progression of Ted Kord in the Rebirth how, universe. How was the how was the Blue Beetle stuff during New 52 with, like, a Tony Bedard? It, but it also wasn't all that great. Like, it no. only lasted so long. Same thing with the Blue Beetle with... Uh, rebirth, and okay. I can tell I can tell you it is a, it is a, what is it called a uh, representation thing. I I know for sure. You know, th- the big thing with Jaime Reyes, he's uh, he is Latino. He is from New Mexico. You know, he is a teen hero, and he is taking on the legacy of a really big seventies, eighties, uh, and nineties character. A beloved, yeah, he was he, he he's a beloved hero. Exactly. Yeah. And big things could have come from that. Like one of like I love Jaime Reyes' Blue Beetle. And I you know, I did not like the way it was going. I didn't like the art team on it, but I thought to myself, it's going to get better because I know he is going to be able to team up with so many other big heroes. He teamed up with Batman a couple times in both runs, New 52 and in Rebirth. And I think he even teamed up with Green Lantern at one point. But, like I said, I want to blame every person saying that they were a Blue Beetle fan and did not buy the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle. Well, I mean, I think, I, think, I think that goes for most for most fans that are always clamoring for certain books that are not being published. But, you know... They always complain that there's only Batman. Well, that's because there's 100,000 people every week buying a Batman book, but there's 11,000 people buying another book. I mean, it's they're yeah. going to do what people are buying. It, it, so it's hard to – and it happens all the time. I mean, people stand actors all the time or stand movies. Oh, this is going to be the greatest – and then the movie flops. Nobody goes see it. They're just standing to stand because that's the thing. The, that's the popular thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Totally. So I mean I don't I, even, I mean I'm Cuban I don't even like Jaime Reyes, but I, <laughs> I mean oh, but I mean but I, I I don't like him not because well first I have like sometimes like a thing with like teenage heroes that it's just hard for me to relate that's one yeah. thing that's why it's like uh, I can't read like the champions with Marvel I don't care about the kids it's sad, it's sad to say but it's like I, Man. I just, yeah um, I hope your son's not in the room. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's just it's hard to. But the other thing is like, it, it's I, I know he's like a Jeff Johns creation, but it's just like the way Ted Cord was removed in such a brutal fashion to just have it be like, oh, now you're for like I don't like when you're like force feeding someone and like this is the new one. Ted Cord's gone forever. Like it was I don't know. It just felt raw. Like when he came, it was just like. Too soon, man. Too soon to replace this hero. Yeah, you know, when... Because, what, that happened right before 52? 
right? Uh, right before, uh, yeah, yeah, because this was like Countdown to Infinite Crisis, that 80-page yeah. special that freaking got yeah. shot in the face. And then Infinite, like, I think it was issue three of Infinite Crisis, uh, Blue Beetle, uh, Jaime Reyes was introduced. Uh, so, yeah, I totally agree. You know, the wound was still very fresh in everybody's mind. Yeah, and... I think it's like if it was just like something like before, like if they were able to introduce it, I don't know, like in another way, it just felt really, it felt really fresh. And I was like, uh-huh. oh man, don't, don't do it like this. Like, let me, let me mourn for like one of my favorite characters. Well, not a favorite character, but someone that I really, really liked. Like, yeah. don't do that to me. So I think especially, like I just never especially wanted to give in, him a chance. Especially in the context of like how he died, you know, facing Maxwell Lord. Uh, you know, knowing, you know, what had all happened and him to just like get blown in the face, like just full out, like yeah. bullets to the face, dude. That, that's like, one of the same things harsh. also with like, uh, with Miles, with Miles Morales when he was like, uh, what was it? Like f- ultimate, the uh, fallen heroes or something. And this yeah, was just like, uh, ultimate, like fallout. Issue f- ultimate fallout. And this was just a little bit after like the death of uh, Peter Parker. I mean, the, the death of Peter Parker, that was huge. Like that was like an event. Oh like, yeah, I I felt like wow. I can only imagine what it was like in '93 when Superman died, oh, because yeah. of how an ultimate. This is even the ultimate, but that story was just so good and so big that even with Miles at first, I'm like, oh god, this is like I felt the same thing. It wasn't only, but I I guess it's just you know when you're this that invested, it's hard to, it's hard to know that they can be that quickly replaced. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, we will see. Uh, the next issue has uh, Hunted by the Bat, so it sounds like Ted Cord may be manipulating some of his leaguer friends to chase after the Justice League. Quite possible. Which is going to be very interesting, because Batman knows. Uh, I mean, now the entire League knows about the Suicide Squad, but Batman has known for quite some time about the Suicide Squad, so I wonder if he already knows about Ted Cord. You know, if that is the plot twist. That'll be interesting. But let's go ahead and move on to main books for this week. Uh you wanna talk action comics? You know, rip off the band aid now. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean we can we can we can do action comics uh one thousand twenty two. I mean Honestly, I I will admit that there was like this refreshing feeling that after the new comics came back, I've kind of like there hasn't been a Bendis Superman book come out like Superman or action like a super book where you almost it, forgot that he was the writer and you're like oh, yes yeah, yes it, it was I didn't know if it was one of those things <laughs> that like man are they like secretly just pushing him out are we gonna start getting something where you know that that sense of hope I was like oh man this is all right cool. Uh, and then, like, this book came out, and then I see the cover, and I'm like, oh, God, we're still doing the Romita thing. Uh, so I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I still got, like, the, the B cover, because that Lucio Barrio, that dude's, oh, yeah. that dude's a baller. Uh, this is, like, a tale of, I, I think, I, I mean, I tweeted about it, where I read the oh, first... Oh, which I want to say... Last episode you were on, you're like, okay, I'm finally getting back to Twitter. You came out with force, dude. You know, talking about different heroes and like their favorite images, favorite covers, and all that stuff. Holy crap, dude! Yeah, I, I it's like, there's at this time, I'm like, I'm still trying to like navigate, not wanting to like, 
embrace the cesspool. So I'm just yeah. trying to do something that people will maybe just be like, let's have like fun conversations. So let's just talk about picks, like memorable moments in comics or just like your favorite images. So I, I, I feel like that's just what I'm doing right now. I'm having fun with it. Uh, and it's, I mean, it, it's actually fun. Like my, f- I had to like completely trash my photo gallery. Oh yeah, this my gallery. Weekend. My gallery has been like destroyed <laughs> by, uh, um, by screenshots. So yeah. w- with this with this issue, um, I mean, this is like a tale of like who is Connor Kent, and I don't know why, but it was really it felt like redundant conversations, but in a very Bendisy way, where it was just hard to read. I'm like, dude, okay, I feel like this should be a really really great moment that like you actually have Clark and Connor together and it's not like in that stupid way which was in the last issue where he's like do i know you oh connor oh i guess we'll have a conversation later and let's just have a really stupid fight with the red cloud i didn't like that meant nothing to me and i was like wow this is the first time that they're seeing each other this should be big especially for all pre-flashpoint fans uh and just seeing kind of like this connor the connor kent uh i don't even know because i'm not reading young justice is this pre-flashpoint connor kent or is this New Fifty Two, like Scott Lobdell, from, uh, from abomination. What, from what Bendis is trying to do, it is like pre New Fifty Two. Like, okay, this well, is that's. Like, I mean, based on the look and stuff, I mean, that's it's clearly pre New Fifty Two. But, but I feel but like I've heard people here's mention the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is Superman Reborn affects everybody in Superman's history, yes. including Superboy. And so I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it again here for everybody who's not following us on Twitter. Bendis is creating this odd time paradox for no reason. Like, there is, he is just wanting to have more pages on a book. That is basically it. Well, uh, I mean, that, and, and that's, and that's how it's, re- and that's how it's being read. At least in my in my scope and clearly yours as well, um, because I mean this is a book that has moments that you should be happy. Like I think that's what the headline should have been. I should be happy. <laughs> like dot 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 dot. Because then you got like Jonathan. Jonathan's coming. You're like, man, you got Clark, Jonathan, and Connor together, and it means nothing. Oh yeah, no. Which Not is like all. if you if you're as a Superman fan. That is, it's mind-boggling that I felt nothing. Now, the, I will say, minus the, minus the, the Romita art, I'm still intrigued by the Daily Planet part and how they're dealing with the fallout of what, you know, that, I found it a tense situation, like, I, I felt engaged Although, you know, when rereading it, like, dialogue-wise, it does feel wonky. The whole Lois Lane confronting Miss Leon, and then she kind of published and threw out all the dirty secrets. I'm still yeah. intrigued by that. I, yeah. I, I'm still kind of like, okay, I, I want to know how is it in this underground? Like, what's going to happen here? Uh, so, I mean, we'll see what happens there. The whole Connor meeting the Justice, all the brightest minds, and it just seems like all of them are just asking questions. I don't know. Until it got to that point where Clark, who is still confused, gets to this moment where you see the sign, Welcome to Kansas, and then you see Ma and Pa, and they're kissing. Like, it's kind of like a smooch, you know, they just seem happy, they're on their farm. And at this moment, I have, I'll, I'll admit, I kind of smirked. 
Like, I don't, like, smile while reading. Or maybe I am smiling and I have a Disney smile. Uh, but I don't notice it unless, like, my <laughs> wife, you know, takes a picture of me of how stupid I look while I'm reading a comic. Uh, to me, I felt, and I was like, oh, my God, dude, Ma and Pa is here. Because, I mean, I got really happy when I saw it in Doomsday Clock. Uh-huh. I was, yeah, I, sure. was I was ecstatic. But then it's like, I, I, I see it in this moment, and it's just, you know, you see, they're like, oh, Jonathan, look at you. Uh, and then she's like, cook. Connor and that like they remember and I was like oh god this it felt genuine it felt nice but then you're seeing the confusion of what's happened before Clark not knowing Clark looking out in the distance kind of like bummed out why is it that he can't remember something that clearly Ma and Pa can and then I immediately fell into like a oh no Bendis is gonna be the one to lead this out now you have given me probably from all your texts there was it looks like bendis was on uh off the panel a podcast yes that was then deleted because i guess this was news that maybe should have not have been released at that time yes uh that is what we're getting that's there. what that's what that's what we're kind of understanding this is all speculation yes. no no reporting here uh that it looks like he will be off the super books which Thank- God. Yeah. So, to me, my my thought process is, man, either he is going to, whatever his plans are, he is either going to escalate this and just speed through this process and try to make sense of it, or we might have somebody coming up that has big plans for this this moment, and I mm-hmm. hope that maybe they they can take the reins. Because it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're you're seeing, I'm starting to see the cookies crumble, where Bendis, uh, man, what a turn of events. I mean, like three months ago, I'm like still praising this guy. And well, now... let me just say, let me just say on on digitally, page thirteen with the Hall of Justice, the characters themselves say none of this makes sense. Like. I'm so like I know Bendis is trying to like be cheeky and be like, oh, for all you people that don't, you know, know how to read comics and don't know how to, you know, read my books. No, Bendis, your stuff literally makes no sense. I read. I mean, since since I, he's, I was, since he's I, joined since he's joined DC, if you think about it, every book, <laughs> the main theme is confusion. Yeah, I mean, you've had Leviathan and all of that stuff. The whole book has been surrounded by mystery that no one, literally, even the characters in the book don't know what's happening, and it's being read that way. So reading here, which this, I I mean, this book, I mean, I think that we should just title that, I Should Be Happy, because I feel like that's (laughs) the, the, the whole overarching moment of what Action Comics 22 is. And what I think, like, really ticked me off about this book, I know that, like, we, you had your sweet moment with the, with the Kents on the Kent farm, but before that, we have this conversation between Robinson Good and Leone about what they're gonna do with the Daily Planet, what their plans are for the heroes, and all of this. And Robinson Good says, oh, well, I couldn't kill Superman for Lex, I had to do it for you and myself. So that whole big speech that that Bendis tried to have Superman do with Robinson Good with the Red Cloud meant nothing. 
Like, it, it's just, like, a pointless conversation to try to make this hero or make this villain into a good guy to, like, show how powerful, you know, Superman is in the voice of good. Like, it was... It's all for nothing. And it didn't hit as, like, oh, she's so menacing. It hit as, oh, well, this is dumb. Yeah, what? I mean, you know, honestly, with within that whole thing, I mean, the part that I got was more, like... Just like even with her, I mean, you can sense that there is good within her. Or at least, maybe not good, but she at least respects the craft of journalism enough where even though she knows Lois is a threat and she should, like, kill her, she's like, no, I got to give her props, man, that she, like, she did this good. Like, she freaking played us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I thought, like, it's it's and- cool to see, like, okay, that's the kind of, that, like, it shows that she's layered and she at least has... Although, yes, she's bad villain, whatever. I mean, there's a sense of at least respecting, like, the integrity of what journalism is. Is I, I thought that that moment... I mean, that's actually what I took out of it. Everything else, I didn't even really pay attention to that. Yeah, and, and the big cliffhanger is that uh, Lois and Jimmy go to the headquarters of that, like, secret mafia back in that little tank that they used to have their meetings yeah. in. Yeah. And Red Cloud is there. Yeah. But uh, let's go ahead and move forward with Far Sector number six. This, now, you know, I I told you to read this book uh, because I, you know, one of the biggest things that I had complained about every single time we talk about this book is that the uh, writer, N.K. Jemisin, was wanting to be too weird, wanted to be too alien with uh, the concepts of this book. But this book felt so down to earth. And I really enjoyed this issue. At first, when I read this book, I saw the first because again, I mean, it's you know, it's been a while since we've read these books, uh, so this is like the first time. So at first, I don't know why, but I saw the first panel, the first page, and for some reason, because of the conversations that you were hearing, it felt like wow, did they like on last minute because of everything that's going on, did they like make this panel specifically? to kind of talk of this time. Yeah. Like, that's that's actually what I felt. And then it was just right after, I mean, this whole book. Because, I mean, especially from the the aftermath of what happened in the previous issue with uh, the rioters and the, and the protesters and yep. pretty much just being killed. Um, but I needed to be reminded of it because it's been a while since I've read Far Sector. Uh, but this issue could not have been more topical uh to this this day where it it felt it actually felt intentional oh yeah but it's just imagine if we would have gotten this in february it would not have had like it would not have spoken to us as much as it is right now yeah and 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 i've been seeing uh someone post i think i saw i saw you quote tweet someone and it was kind of like just talking about the ramifications, like, oh, do people really make decisions? Um, do they do they do they speak out once they are once like, they've been ba- like called out? Like instead of just doing it beforehand, like knowing what is right and wrong. And it was like, oh man, this is. Yeah the the initial quote is uh, let me actually see it. He says, "Gosh, where is it?" Uh, where is I think it? I, I think I think I have it here. It's uh, 
do do human leaders wait for public censure before acknowledging their wrongs? How weak of them. Yeah. And it yeah. was it was I mean it was really tough. And I got to say I mean I'm always I I'm really bad with names and I mean I'm not going to remember what this, the the high council leader who's who's stepping down. I don't I don't remember his name. I I know it's with like an S but I don't I don't remember it. Um but like I I really did I I appreciate it when he's on what's it called the pill? Switch oh. I want, switch I off, want, switch, switch off. I was gonna say switch foot, but that's a band. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I like his, I like how he has like those two different characters, like who he is when he's on it, and like the monster that he can become. Because it makes it especially you can clearly see uh, that she has conflicting feelings for him, yeah. and and having this conversation, it felt really. It's actually kind of funny going on. See, like, Twitter can be a cesspool, but, man, tw- sometimes Twitter there is just really funny. And just seeing all the horn dogs because she has her hair down and she's, like, in, in like, sweatpants, it's, oh, like, yeah. it's one of the funniest things. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's worth giggling at, but it's also, you know, <laughs> it's hard to, like, shine those out. But, man, oh, I really, man. like, I'm, I'm happy that I, like, I listened to continue. See, listening, it's good. Uh, where you know I decided to keep on with this book because I, I mean I I still feel confused in terms of like the overarching like yeah, what this book is. Don't but get me I wrong. Feel, yeah, but I feel it like is... this book wasn't so much about that. It was about a moment, but it just so happened that this moment was extremely important for the time that we're in, and it's a shame that not too many people are reading it. Yeah, no, I I will admit that I do not like how the beginning of each book is uh, Joe Moline, that is the character yeah, of the Joe. Green Line. Uh, she talks to the audience, she talks to the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, that bothers me a little bit still, I don't know why. Um, because it is somewhat seen as this is something that she is, this is a story that she is telling. So this is almost looking back into the past and she is like recollecting everything that's going on. So that bothers me a little bit just because we've never seen Joe before this, you know? Yeah. So, Unless this is all because we know that she's like in a probationary period with where she's at and she's not like a regular lantern like the others are. So yeah. unless this is like we see at the end of this that she's in a round table or maybe she's just actually talking with John Stewart and yeah. it seems like she's talking to us, but in reality, she's talking to him. Yeah. Unless it's like one of those things, I'm like, ah, sweet. Okay, I get it. I, I think it will help me appreciate it. But I'm st- I'm still off. But this was enough of a st- where it still has connective tissue, but it felt s- like because, singular. And it was because good. in the very first page, she is literally looking at us and talking. And even the guy that is like, you know, getting really close to her and kissing her or whatever, but she's like, he's like, who are you talking to? Oh, this is about the people who haven't caught up yet. And I'm just like, what? Like, I mean, she's Zach, she's Zach Morris, man. Yeah. So it bothered me a little bit. And I will say some, there's some one liners in almost every single book or every single issue of this book that seems very cringy. So like at the very end, she's like building this giant construct that Let's just looks see like how powerful. This thing really is, 
and she said something about uh uh you just started a nerd oh, fight started a nerd fight yeah and i'm like what i i i don't get it like what part of the nerd fight did they start like is she gonna build a gundam and like fight these things is that why she's saying it's a nerd fight like that's it's just very cringy, and we don't see the, like, the reason why she said it, you know? It's it's funny how we're, like, complete opposites, where it bothers the hell out of you when you're reading, but you're okay with it, at like, if you're watching it. But for it, I, I don't know why it's so easy for me to pass it up. But that's like something I would hear like Cisco say, and it'll In bother CW, and, and yeah, it'll bother yeah. the hell out of me. So it's funny how it's just like just the mediums <laughs> so, are so switched. so cringe in comics like tears me apart, but cringe in silly stupid TV shows doesn't. Yeah, that's and, um, yeah, yeah. So it's funny. <laughs> but uh, so the next book, like honestly, um, Detective Comics, uh, what is it, one thousand twenty two, um, is just the uh. We get a little bit of background on vice versa. We get a call back to the uh, uh, death of the family Joker with the like with the sewed on face, uh, and we get a little bit of insight on Two Face again. Nothing super important. The only reason why I read this was because of the cliffhanger. Um, it's this book is clearly tying into Tinian's Joker War. But if you look behind him, when he is, like, using the pickaxe, using dynamite, whatever, you see the statues of owls. And this either means that... I don't even know what it means. You have so many people on the table in the Batman universe that you could use. They just used uh, Nightwing's grandfather in the actual book, Nightwing. So I don't know if he will be a part of this. But... It makes you think, is Tinian going to bring back, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Lincoln March? Maybe. Like, is that, is that the big reveal? Uh, is he going to bring back, uh, Talon from that one, that random run? I actually really liked that run, because I think that was, like, Tinian's first, like, solo series outside of working with oh, Snyder on, like, Eternal. Tinian wrote that? I believe so. I think it was uh, Tinian and uh, Gilliam Gilliam March. Oh, that's the same team that's on Batman right now, dude. I told that that's what it is. Yeah, I can now. I can almost guarantee it. That's who it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, wow. I actually really enjoyed that one. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'll say right here. I mean, this was my exact text message to uh, Clay. I wrote this on Wednesday. Detective is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, uh, I was like, I read two pages and I stopped because that's, I don't know, man. I, I got to say, I am totally, it's weird because I am a Tomasi guy, but Tomasi to me is just, man, I feel like he has completely disappointed what Detective Comics is. I'm not enjoying it at all. I mean, I was kind of excited to see him with the whole Arkham Knight, what was going to happen, but I know you're a fan. I don't like brad walker on batman i don't like i just it bothers me like i I don't like his design i know you like like the white eyes and how the cowl looks i i just can't do it so 
you just said, oh, I only read this for the cliffhanger. I, I honestly, I just looked at the book and I went to the end. I'm like, okay, this is a prelude. <laughs> Great. But, I mean, Detective Comics, I am so sour on this book. And it's it's a bummer, man. It's just, it's really hard to, it's, it's, you know, it's hard for me, for me to read it. I had a conversation with uh, my co-host for Batman News Weekly, shameless plug, uh, about the Catwoman 80th anniversary uh, book. Um, I read only one book out of that entire anniversary. Crap, I forgot about that book. Okay. It, uh, it's Tom King's book about okay. Helena. And uh, I can just sum it up, honestly. It's just the progression of her pregnancy, and then it shows the like the night after they bring the baby home and maybe a couple weeks after that still helena is very much an infant and then it jumps all the way until after tom king's annual in the batman run do you remember that annual the annual number two the one the, where the she... one with alfred no 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 no, no. which one the, the annual number two was written by tom king and it showed the like old life of Selena and Bruce? Yes, yes. Okay. okay. So it is the aftermath of that is the very end of Tom King's Catwoman story. So it shows old woman Selena with an older Helena. And basically throughout the entire story of Tom King's Catwoman story in that book, it talks about how uh, Catwoman, she kind of, she she comes to terms with that the fact that she's pregnant, but she doesn't want Batman to treat her any differently. And so they still fight crime. And there's like almost a progression shot of like the terms of her pregnancy with fighting villains. And it's so funny because at the very last panel of that one page, they're chasing after Joker. Batman is like right on Joker's tail. And you just see Selina like so far back with her giant stomach. And... It is, like, I know it's not supposed to be funny, but I couldn't help but laugh. Like, she is trucking along and trying so hard to keep up with her basically nine-month pregnant body in that latex suit. I'm looking at it now, man. It's really, <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, it's, I gotta say, it's really nice seeing uh, Mikkel Janin uh-huh. on Batman again. Oh, yeah, so good. Like, I mean, I, everything that I've been reading, I mean, Tinian's work has been good. Like, I've been, all right, it's it's all right, it's good. Uh, but it's kind of like, with what I'm seeing now, I would give anything to go back to that world. Oh, although, yeah, sure. although Although it was kind of crumbling at the end yeah. in terms of, I, I feel like, man, I really miss that. Oh, just yeah. by honestly, I don't even know what the, without the story. I'm just looking at the dialogue I'm like, and uh, the, the panels, and I'm like, oh, man, I miss, I miss this. I, I, I miss this but, world. You know, the the really big thing that uh, a lot of people are kind of hoping for is because they never really showed Helena as a kid. And so they're like, oh, maybe she won't come into fruition in this continuity, hopefully. And, you know, just because we're talking about Tomasi and how he had an awesome run on Superman with the family aspect, do you think if they gave Batman to Tomasi... And they wanted him to do the exact same thing he did with Superman, but have Bruce, Selina, Damien, and baby Helena. Do you think you would be okay with that? I mean, on the main... I mean, right now, Batman is the main... I mean, although technically Detective should be, 
Batman is like the flagship title, I would not. I would not want to see the flagship title be the, um, you know, be like that kind of story. Because if you think about it, Tomasi was on Superman. Because on Superman, the flagship title should be Action Comics. That's true. Yeah. So I think like they were given it there. Like I understand what you mean that put him on the Batman, but it's just like Batman is that book like uh, I'm more along the lines where I would rather have to I know like people are tired of Batman books but I would rather have it be where there was something more along the lines of like what he did with Batman and Robin yes because that's where he nailed it and that again was very family centric Uh, because I mean he did something which was really tough which was he followed along the footsteps of like the greatness of what um Morrison was doing with Dick Grayson as Batman and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, he, Tomasi did amazing. And I think that maybe in this part of his life, I mean, he's, even even in Super Sons, uh, I mean, there's moments I'm like, all right, this guy's definitely showing his age with how he's writing these kids. But he nails the moments that, you know, you want to remember in the book. And so I don't think that should be on the main book. But if it was something along the lines of, you know, if Tomasi wanted to do something like that, yeah, I would I would be for it. Because it seems like in this time of his career, that's what he nails is the family the family aspects. Yeah. For sure. But uh let's go ahead and jump to the last book that we're gonna talk about, which is Hope at World's End number two. This was the Black Adam story. Yes. Uh, I felt this was very good. I was a little confused because I didn't know that Black Adam could still change into his human form. Uh, and this I, might... I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't know that either. But again, this is not canon. Yeah. So this it's, is, it's, you know, more, a, it's more. It's more along the lines. Of, it's like a cool. It's a cool throwback. Yeah, it's a very cool throwback. I legitimately love the art in this book. I know a lot of like, and also. Tom Taylor, you oh, I I'm so angry that the picture that he showed online. Oh god, the Superman, Superman one. I was so bummed when I saw that. I was like, damn. The it, fact man, this the fact nothing. that it's in this book and not in like a solo Superman book, I was so angry at the moment. But he did before this book came out, before issue number two came out, he did say online somebody had talked to him about it, and he retweeted and he said, "Oh, that was a deceased tease." But there's something coming up, dot, dot, dot. So I'm like, man, don't keep doing this to us. Don't do it. Like, don't keep teasing us. I hope he's on Superman. I hope that he is on Superman. Because... On both? On both? I I don't know if I want him on both action and Superman. Okay. Because from what I have seen overall in my reading of comics... When somebody is on two different titles, one of them usually lacks, if not both. Yeah. So I would say give two different people and collaborate. And collaborate. That's that's what I want. Like Jonathan Tomasi with Green Lantern. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For sure. I agree. And I just think, I think Taylor has the family aspect of things. I don't know if you knew this, but he writes a Netflix show, a kids show. I did not know that. Yeah, he writes a Netflix kids show. Uh, I can't called? remember. Oh. I can't remember what it is. Uh, I'll I'll actually text it to you uh, afterward 
once I once I find it. But this story, you know, we find out that Martian Manhunter is uh, kind of spying on the uh, on the city or, or, or population of Kondok, uh, who, you know, Black Adam is the ruler of. And so he basically tells the rest of the League, uh, this, this place is safe, and if we can convince Black Adam, we can all stay there. And they confront him, and Black Adam gets very angry that he's like, oh, so the Martian was actually a spy, and he infiltrated my country without you know, my say-so. And so he kind of, like, just shrugs them off and says, no, you can't do this. But then he goes to, like, his council, his right hand, and he turns back to his human form, and they're walking the streets of Kondok, and he's just like, is this something that I should do? And his his advisor is like, well, if we can help people, and if this betters the protection of Kondok, I think this would be a good idea. And so you can see that he is actually like getting almost in the favor of doing it. And then there's a, a resident of Kondok that's like, "Oh, please, please come come here. Uh my my son, he is, you know, very angry. He's ferocious. I don't know what's going on." And it ends up being that he's infected with the anti-life. And right before he can turn back into Black Adam, he gets scratched. Yeah, and which is going to lead to you know what's coming up in the future. Uh, yeah. But I mean, my my favorite part not even was it the the conversation within um, Martian Manhunter Clark and Diana talking to Black Adam about you know having this place be a place of refuge. To me, it was more about how you know Black Adam is one of those guys. I mean, we've seen him at times in the JSA. So, I mean, I know that there's times that you want to think of him as that anti-hero, but then you have these moments where they just show how evil and that how evil he really is, and he makes a really big decision in in you know the city of conduct, which was how can I completely eradicate the infected? And I mean, he literally goes uh what what are your your anime terms like super saiyan and goes nuts <laughs> and just freaking levels out just, everything yeah shocks everybody and and kills and, the and anti-life even, infected the anti-life infected no but he also affected and and killed some of the innocent that were just in that way as well yeah or at least that's how i took it um so to me i was like man like so it's one of those things like what have you done and he's like well i did what you couldn't do superman and what you would never be able to do. Uh, so it's like, man, like what a way to start the book. And then, you know, it just with it building, I mean, it just it was like tense to tense. And now you know that this is going to feel very similar to like if you read 52 and they did like the World War Three when I think it was like when ISIS died and then Black Adams went freaking ham on everyone. Yeah. Like that was um, I feel like these are the kind of moments that we're going to see it again, but it just so happened. I mean, we've seen like Wonder Woman infected and we've seen the damage and chaos that she can create. Now we're going to an even like stronger entity being infected where um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I know it's not canon and stuff like that, but I mean, I have, I have fully embraced this, you know, this world of deceased and it's, it's been for the most part, it's been a blast to read. 
and I've enjoyed it. Uh, so I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I this digital first thing has been has been good. It's been yeah. Uh, I uh, I need to read uh, Venditti's issue number six. For, likewise, likewise for Superman, but they haven't been updating on Comicsology, and I don't know if they're like kind of holding off and like probably putting more out in the future. But the only one that has updated is Batman. Oh, you know, I did say last book, but we do have one more. Just one more. I know it's running a little bit long, but we have one more book because I actually really enjoyed it. And there's a little naughty stuff that happens in this book, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, <laughs> Birds of it, Prey, this was a book that I was really... I mean, I with Clay, I've kind of told him, like, dude, whenever there's a Black Label book, I, I feel like we just need to talk about it right now. I love the Black Label imprint more than I've been enjoying DC um, yeah. at this time. And this book has had a lot of controversy. I think for some reason, I don't know why. I mean, Azarello freaking kicks ass. I mean, he's a great writer. But he, he is an awesome writer, but I he walks the line of what he, of DC allows him to do. Like, he but tries I appre- to push I appre- that boundary. I appreciate, I appreciate oh, I, that. I, I love it. I love that he does it. Yeah, but, I, mean, I don't know if people have soured on him because of the Killing Joke animated movie. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that's where it's become, but it's just, to me, I've been like, man, where? Man, this is like this is great. I mean, I understand that, you know, I think uh, many people also wanted to have a, 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 um, a woman being the writer of, like, the Birds of Prey and not, uh-huh. like, you know, another old crusty old man, white man. But, dude, this is Azarello, and this is great. Now, I read this book. And this book has like um, I this to me like it it, it it's kind of weird because I understand like Black Label has its own continuity, um, and there's moments that you can kind of feel it, but I feel like I was reading New Fifty Two. So Be- I didn't know this, but uh, Eric from uh, Jim and Eric's show on Weird Science DC Comics podcast, mm-hmm. he told me that everything in here is almost the exact ending. Of the new Fifty Two Suicide Squad, yeah, yeah, because you had uh, Harley was in Bell Reeve, and you had like Joker going after her. You had, uh, um, oh my god, Diana, uh, Diana, Diana's, was in, Diana uh, was in Team Seven. Team Seven, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. With there was something going on with Huntress. Um, I, I mean, I, when I, is there when is there ever not something happening with Huntress? Though? Well, that that's true, but it's also like with this Huntress, I feel like they try to use a little bit. I mean, although, yes, she is kind of like a loose cannon, she felt very much like the movie counterpart. Yes. In this one. So, I mean, it, it kind of had like a tale of everything. Uh, oh, and also with Dinah was the, the the dude that got beheaded at the beginning, Eric. Because mm-hmm. they were kind of like having like a fling uh, at the end of like the New 52 when she became like the rock star. Like all this kind of stuff happened. Uh, so they had those moments. And then you had moments where... Yeah, okay, Black Label, there's got to be some maturity. So you do have, like, some dialogue. There were some curse words. You had decapitations where you see it, and you see, like, the bone of everything. And And then you see Harley using a head as a weapon for, like, four pages, which was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that was was funny. I mean, but it also has, like, heavy themes where it kind of talks about, like, drugs and, like, the addiction. Um, And, you know, it had moments where this is, like, a close friend of Dinah, and, like, Dinah... At a, at a moment of knowing that her friend needed her at that time, she kind of blew her off. And she's like, okay, well, then I'll just see you later. And I'm like, oh. But also, 
And I'm just going to go ahead and have, you know, warning for very explicit conversation here for just a quick second. So if you don't want to hear it, skip like three minutes or so, or, or not even three minutes, like a minute, maybe two. But did the, did Azarello suggest that Dinah had a huge orgy with all those men at that bar? I kind of, I, well, that's what I think. I kind of, I, it, it seemed. Because I'll tell you this. She did not have a walk of shame. She had a lot of pip in her step the next yeah. morning. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things. I was like, "Whoa, okay, this is Dinah's a little all right, okay. This is definitely not Dinah from Rebirth." <laughs> well, uh, no, because she was like, "Oh man, they really hit the spot," and I was like, "Whoa, yeah, like, no, what's I mean, going on?" <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I I hear it, man. It was so. I mean, they, but it was all over the place. It, so this this is like one, of, and and I got to give props to. Uh, Emanuela Lupacino love the art in this book. Oh, the absolutely art, love the it. art is amazing. I love. Um, I don't know. I think they're called La Familia, the the the, the ladies yes. with the Dia yeah, de la Muerte, the, like yeah. the yeah. So, like, I thought very compelling. I I kind of liked the the villains. The I think where the story lacked was because of the state of what this book was supposed to be. That I'm so mad at that. Yeah, this like, was supposed to be a series, then and it, became it turned into a, a limited series, to a and then it became a one shot. Yeah, so and so it's a hundred pages. So I think that his limited series of five issues got crammed into a one shot. I I, I I agree. So there's just a lot of moments where things move really fast and things don't flesh out, but it's kind of like he leaves it where you kind of know where everybody's um where their journeys are going to lead like it kind of leaves like this open ended kind of scenario um i mean i got to say i mean i love the way that this book ends because i mean one of these things is was you know like oh man so the joker okay so you try to remember like what you were reading in the new 52 and i'm like all right so i was really enjoying the the joker coming after harley i think harley was Although she annoys me in the Birds of Prey, uh, I found her to be the most compelling in this story. Dinah was a very close second. Huntress and Renee Montoya, eh, not 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 so much. Uh, but to me, Harley stole this stole this book, and I loved all the interactions that she was in, uh, from the times of Belle Reeve to her times joining the group, from them being in the sauna. Like it was, just, it's funny all around because. I think Emanuela drew her perfectly and how every time it was kind of like wonky. Yeah. And then you no. see like the very end with with that confrontation. I love that you never really saw the Joker. That's what was I was cool going to say. The really cool thing is every interaction with the Joker, you only see his feet, his legs, his body, but you never see his face. And I think the reason why is everybody knows the power of the Joker. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows... That once you put the Joker on the page, he's going to steal the show. And you want to keep it centered around the characters that are most important in this book. Especially if it's going to be a one-shot. So, you know, I love that aspect. But one little headcanon that I put into this book at that very ending where the confrontation with uh, Harley and Joker. Mm -hmm. You know, she's kind of spilling her heart out. 
And she says, the, I'm sorry that the love of your life is, keeps running away and blah, blah, blah. And she's talking about Batman, which oh, I yeah. thought was hilarious. But, you know, she's saying this while she has a gun pointed at her head. And then Joker just seems that, like, laughs this off, drops the gun and walks away. And the very last panel, she picks up the gun and is pointing it at him. My headcanon, because of how I know Joker thinks and how methodical he really is, I don't think that gun is loaded. No, if anything, that's the little pew. The bang. The, the bang, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we'll never know. Yeah. And, but also, I think, I would suggest everybody who's listening to this, go buy this book. Because as jumbled as some things may be, it's still a very good read. The art is amazing. And quite possibly, if this gets enough sales, maybe Azarello can hold this over as a, hey, look, you thought this wasn't going to sell because of the material that I was using, and I still sold this much. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, I, I actually feel bad for Azarello. I mean, I understand that Azarello does it to himself because he likes to push the envelope, but, I mean, it just seems that so many of his work is you know, always being... Because, again, remember, he was supposed to do Suicide Squad. He was supposed to do Suicide Squad. Uh, from what I have heard from his appearances on podcasts, that damn number two was going to be so much more explicit. And because of that, uh, issue number three was delayed. Like, he... there, There is a Azarello cut of Batman Damned. We need to release the Azarello cut. Yes, we do. I'm I'm willing to to start this hashtag. Um, <laughs> of course, after Ayer gets his, but yes. you know, <laughs> but but yeah, man. So I I, I thoroughly enjoy this. So I, it's like I kind of feel bad for him because this guy's work is always getting chopped up. Um, so. But from what I've but from what I've heard, everybody at DC, Azarello and Sean Murphy are the two guys that always try to push that envelope that are always like can I show this hey can I put this in the book hey I really want to do this and it's always that one thing that DC's like man I don't know like I, don't I know. would I would I would honestly love if now if that was like a uh Dedeo thing like if Jim Lee since he seems to be the guy that's releasing all these cuts like can we just release the Azarello cut? And like, uh, I'm going to write him. Jim. Jimmy! <laughs> <laughs> release it, baby. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it, this, was a, this was a solid week. I mean, with us talking Suicide Squad from last week, which was, which was nuts, to these books, uh, minus, you know, I still think that, you know, I should be happy. But... At the end of the day, I think this was a solid a solid week of books, and I mean I, I I mean there's still books I need to read. I mean I still need to check out Batman Superman. I don't know if it's worth reading. Um, and it plays just, off it it plays off the fact that you know in I believe it was Superwoman back in Rebirth they made Atomic Skull a good guy, uh, and so it kind of plays off of that, uh, but then it gets kind of weird, and it has Clayton Henry uh, as an artist, which I. I enjoy his stuff. Uh, it's very cartoony at times, but I enjoy his work. So I would say if you want to try it, give it a shot, but don't invest too much in it because unfortunately Williamson has not really hit the mark with that book. So, Well, I mean, for me, Williamson has been missing marks for a long time. <laughs> but uh, so, 
I mean, I'm happy to see what happens in the Flash in the future. Like, let's just get to your hundredth issue, dude. Let's, <laughs> let's get the Flash family together, and then let's, you know, let's see, let's see what happens there. But yeah, solid week. Um, but with that being said, yes, we are part of the Nerdy Legion podcast network. Just go to nerdylegion.com. Select there is a plethora of nerdy goodiness there for all sorts of you know wherever you are in your fandom in terms of comics. You'll most definitely get that, get it there. We even got some MMA there with Jake, um, even some wrestling with like Indie Alley. Uh, yeah. so there's, there's, there's plenty of stuff there for what you want to listen to if you do like your nerdy stuff. So go ahead and do that. You can find me on social media. Well, just Twitter, uh, at Mark Reads Comics. Uh, that's where you can find me or the CB underscore Legion page, which is the, the show page where we usually just, you know, advertise like the show, but you could reach us, uh, reach us there if you are interested. And Clay, Clay's about to tell you about his 97 shows. <laughs> no, I, uh, of course I'm here. Uh, CB underscore Legion. Uh, we both have the login for that. So, you know, just we'll both be talking there. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Fanboy Clay. You can find my other two shows. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, that being Batman News Weekly, where I talk about uh, anything entertainment news and comics, uh, uh, you know, regarding Batman. And then my show, uh, Fanboy Comics Podcast, uh, I have three shows a week talking about the Marvel Unlimited app, the DC Universe app, and the Shonen Jump app. Uh, and yeah, that's where you can find me. Love it. So, with that being said... Again, we will talk to you guys next week. And again, thank you again for all the support. Uh, tell your friends and your enemies about the show. We'll love to uh, love to chat. That's something that we, <laughs> we do love to do. So if you, whenever you get a chance, let us know. Talk to you guys later. All right, see you.